0: Love Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is just having a phenomenal morning. I can tell you what, it is Friday, not a cloud in the sky. It is spring break all over the place down here on the islands. Fraternities and sororities from Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, I mean, they are all over the place. It was interesting as Paige and I drove down the beach yesterday because this is the first year where we've actually seen organization. Usually you see all the, the wild and crazy happenings uh, over in the in the Pen- Panama City area. And this year people have come over here. They wanted a little bit more laid back, subdued, plenty of white beaches, uh, and that's what they got, some uh, just great stuff. And it is wonderful to see what's happening today. We're going to be finishing up the Little Red Book of Wisdom. I have had so much fun doing Mark Demoss's book, a hero of mine, somebody that I, I have learned to love for his work, for his passion, uh, loved his family already, uh, was, was watching as his dad and his father-in-law built something that no one else in history has built. And now Mark leaving a legacy, really following through with a legacy from his father and and even his father-in-law, I tell you what, Mark's kids are blessed with their lineage. Now they may they may they may not follow at all in their parents' footsteps, but between April and Mark and Art and Angela and Mark's mom and dad, I mean, they never knew their grandpa. It, it, it is so neat to be able to see. What's there, and to see that they will always go through history just like Mark did with their dad, writing one small little book to share his wisdom with them. I think that's very passionate. Next week, we start one of my dearest friends, one of my confidants, Darren Falter's brand new release. Now, this is a book he's had out, but this is the revised sixth edition. Over 50,000 copies in seven countries have been sold. How to select a network marketing company, six ways of scrutin six ways to scrutinize, compare, select a multi-million dollar home-based business. This is a powerful, powerful book. And I I believe that we're gonna have some funds. We're gonna be able to do this apples to apples. It's gonna be a great time. I know some of you are saying, but Troy, we just love the leadership and the and the motivational and the inspirational and the wisdom. Well, you're going to have all that too because that's what Darren provides every time he opens his mouth, every time he writes. It, it's how he leads his company today, and I'm proud to be doing this book. Chapter 23 of The Little Red Book of Wisdom. If you are listening, if you're dialed in, I mean the switchboard's lit up, listen – I won't be hiding any of my faith. Sometimes people will write and say, I think you get too spiritual. Well, you're going to really get to see some of it today because this chapter is titled, The Wisest Decision Anyone Can Make, Answering and the Then What Question. Mark 8.36 says this, What is it to profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul. As I've read through a variety of books this this last month, from sex and marriage to friendship and marriage to public relations to to the Little Red Book of Wisdom, I've come to realize that if you believe in a heaven and hell, if you believe in a God and a a Satan, if you believe in good and evil, then my my word picture today is I, I picture... I picture the old devil probably sitting back somewhere, looking out of his office with a scotch in one hand and a stogie in the other, saying, man, life sure has come easy. We used to have to work to get people to be distracted from their purpose and their passion. We used to have to work real hard to get them to sin. I mean, it was pretty easy for him to get Eve. There was nothing else going on in the world, but... You know, with everything that's happening, it's easier. Do you realize that just about 40 years ago, there was this really weird-looking old dude that that started something in America that had never been seen before. He started smoking a a pipe and wearing a a lounge jacket around and he launched a magazine called Playboy. 40 years ago, I don't even think any of the pictures were totally nude. I think they, they just had some tops off and they were kind of hand-drawn. Not all of them were pictures. You could only get it if you asked for it behind the Seven Eleven store under the counter. And when you look at where today's society is, from free porn on the internet to sex in just about every movie to purposely people going out in clubs just to, to pick up and hook up. And that's just one aspect. If I look at strip clubs that used to be seen down in the seediest parts of town, now they're called gentlemen's clubs, they're in the suburban area, and it says couples welcome. Now that's just one aspect. When we look at the words that are in songs, when we look at the words that are in, in the radio, the TV, even in newspapers, when we look at the... At the slander and and sleaze and politician in in the in and I'm not talking about from a legal standpoint. I'm just talking about from a moral issue, a moral standpoint. You start looking at stuff, saying, "Golly, we've changed." Now, I'm not saying we got to go back to Leave It to Beaver or anything like that. But when you sit down and realize how desensitized you've come, do you realize that teenage boys, on average, in the polls that have been taken, have at least one picture of your teenage daughter buck naked on their telephone. Think about this. And then ask yourself, and then what? Mark starts this chapter off. He says, my father used to tell a story of a discussion with a law school student and his future plans. The conversation went something like this. Son, tell me what your plans are after law school. Well, I hope to get a job with a a good firm and start making some money well that just sounds fine and then what well at some point and hopefully not too late i want to get married oh i hope you do too son and then what well i want to get a nice house and start a family of course oh wow and then what and then i want to raise my kids and good schools and earn enough money to save for a second home well right right but 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 then what Well, then I hope to be making enough money to slow down and take some vacations with my wife and my family. Oh, that's fantastic. And and then what? Well, I guess I'd like to see my kids get married and start their own families. I'd like to see them become independent and financially secure. Oh, son, those are good, good goals. And and, and then what? Well, I've taken care of myself and I, I hope I can live long enough to raise my grandkids and... I hear that's even better than raising children. Well, I hear that too. And, and, and then what? Well, I hope I'll be healthy enough to enjoy my later years, maybe travel some with my wife and see the world. And I want to make the most of retirement and pass along my money to my children so that they can benefit as I have. Oh, that's great. And then what? The young law student paused for a minute. He said, well, I guess eventually I'll just die nothing in here about a purpose or a passion outside of just the American dream. But then his father looked at him with a little tear in his eye and he said, yes, you will, son. And then what? See, I think a lot of times, and I alluded to this yesterday, We've got the date of our birth, and there's eventually the date of our death, and that little dash in between is, and then what? See, so many times we go through life striving for the freaking American dream. And maybe you're listening today in one of the hundred and some odd countries now that listen in, and it's the same thing in your country. It's just, you know, the, the Chile dream. It's the Great Britain dream. It's the Australian dream the Puerto Rican dream, the Brazilian dream, but then what? See, all of us can identify at some point with that story, but then what? What's your answer? Think about this for a second. There's people on here that listen to me that have the same faith that I do. There's people on that that I have become very close with that listen to this radio show that are atheists. And there's everything in between. But you've got to ask yourself, but then what? Mark says this. The most common question or the most common answers go something like this. Well, I hope I'll go to heaven. I'm working on it. Or I'm not sure, but I'm trying to make it up there. Or I'm praying the man upstairs will let me in. Some will admit they have no idea what comes next, but most say they hope to go to heaven when they die. I mean, I have yet to hear anybody say, well, I hope I go to hell. Now, I've got some uncles that used to tell me, we're going to hell in a handbasket, but we're having fun getting there. you got to know my uncles. But when you get right down to it, nobody in their right mind on their deathbed ever says, please, just give me the needle and let me go to hell. Some of us think we're living hell on earth sometimes. This is important, guys, because if all you're doing is going after the all-freaking-mighty-dollar, it isn't going to work. I'm I'm a living, breathing example of this. My wife will tell you. I was in my 20s, and I looked like a multimillionaire. My pants were all custom-made. My shirts were Dior's. My underwear was Dior. My socks were Dior. My jewelry, I mean... It, we were, I was stud and just about lost my family. I thought I was the greatest thing this side of Jesus Christ. I know what it means to get it all messed up. Crying out loud, I'm still working on it. But when I got to this chapter, it sure made me start doing some Thinking. See if the end of the dream, if all we're working towards is one objective and we don't know what comes next, then we got some major issues. See that Mark writes this, I thought this was great. The wisest decision anyone can ever make is to seal his or her eternal destiny, time forever with God, who created you, who created me, the earth, the solar system, and everything beyond. He goes on to say, the decision then is whether or not to hand your life over to God through his son, Jesus Christ. The alternative is to bank on everything that you're doing or bank on the what if. I'll add that part. See, I'm not talking about going to church or joining some denomination or or doing a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm talking about the and then what? Mark says, one thing about the old American dream, the fulfillment and peace clause is a guaranteed letdown. Think about that for a minute. Even the most impressive businesses we have seen in the last 20 years implode overnight, sinking millions in stock portfolios and trusting investors. I remember on a Friday night watching one of the largest investment banks shut their door, and on Monday they were bankrupt and they were worth billions. I watched Excel Communications and network marketing rise to the third largest telecommunication company in the world and go bankrupt. Children turn up their minds of their own and can break your heart. I've lived that. Dream houses can burn up in charcoal. Family members suffer cancer. I watched my mom a couple years ago lose both of her siblings within 10 days of each other. And then what? See, this is is important. Listen to this. At the ripe old age of 32, David Chappelle certainly had his dream. The, The comedian's $50 million deal with Comedy Central was impressive even by the entertainment deal standards. But the ink on the contract was hardly dry when Chappelle went missing in action, only to be spotted 8,000 miles away in South Africa. The hilarious host had run away from the Chappelle-so-entitled third season because, as he confessed later, the higher up I went, for some reason the less happy I am. That's in man. That's powerful. See, the financial figures in your life and my life are probably a whole lot smaller than $50 million. But the consequences of putting money over your soul matches zero for zero. I've been known to say, live life like it's an epic adventure and I'll see you at the top. And I'm probably going to change the see you at the top. Because of something that I that I actually read in this book. See, another... Interesting person, wrote this. Jack Higgins is one of the most successful authors on earth. His thriller novels have sold over 250 million copies in 55 languages. When a magazine interviewer asked him what he knew now that he wished he'd have known earlier in life, the rich writer replied, I wish I'd have known that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. See, too many times I think, we just become desensitized to things. I picked up the old phrase, I'll see you at the top, from old Zig Ziglar many years ago. I just loved it. But I realized that there's so many people at the top in the 20th century, and there's nothing there from them. From from Britney Spears and, and other people in Hollywood to politicians that commit suicide or, or screw up like the... the the governor of Illinois who just went to prison to serve 14 years he will not see his girls become teenagers at the rate he's going I'll see you at the top I've decided i got to come up with something different I truly believe life is an epic adventure that part won't change but more importantly I want to get out to people what it is they need to do and where they need to go you may not believe the way I believe, and that's cool. I, uh, you'll find I don't. That is not my calling in life is to change your mind. But part of my calling in this life is not to hide what and who I am. See, you've got to figure out why is that emptiness in your heart. You're busting your butt. You're making money. You're having fun. Some of you are rocking the world. You're you're hot. You're sexy. You're making love all the time with different people. But yet there's still something missing. You love getting on stage because everybody's saying, ooh, you're the stud, you're the you're the hottie, you're looking good, thanks for being there, you're leading us, great. You just love getting your ego fed, but then you go to bed at night and you wonder, man, why do I feel so empty? I'll tell you why, and I think Blaise Pas- uh, Pascal said it best. Mark wrote this. Some 350 years ago, influ- influential French mathematician, physicist, and philosopher... Blaise Peskell Wrote There is a God-shaped vacuum In the heart of every man Which cannot be filled By any created thing But only by God the Creator He then proposed the following Let us weigh the gain and loss In wagering that God is Let us consider the two possibilities If you gain, you gain all If you lose, you lose nothing Hesitate not then to wager that he is. Now that's powerful to think about. We got two options in life, and we're each going to make these choices. There's not one living, breathing person since the dawn of time that has not made one of two, one of these two decisions. Number one, they either said, I believe there's a God, I believe he sent his son. And I believe that that's the only way to get to heaven. And then there's the people that don't believe that. Those are the only two options that there are when you get right down to it. Either there is a God and we're going to wager on that, or there isn't a God and we're not going to wager on that. And some people could could try to break that apart and say, well, I believe that there's the God of the trees, or the God of this, or the God of that, or it's just the universal power, or or supreme being. I'm not trying to, I'm just simple. I'm a southern, grown-up, redneck kid. There's either a God or there's no God. There's either the God, because that's what everybody gets frustrated when somebody says, oh, they're the God. But there isn't. But we're going to make a choice. Either we believe it or we don't. And the question is, just like Pascal said, let us weigh the gain and loss in wagering that God is. Let us consider the two, op- the two possibilities. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. Hesitate not then to wager that he is. It's interesting. See, too much crap gets mixed into all this stuff anymore. Way too much. I don't care if you ever read the Bible. There's one specific verse in the Bible that I believe sums it up in a nutshell. Period everything else every cemetery, seminary i get them all screwed up okay every theologian every school of thought i don't care what it is to me it's nothing more but useless rhetoric totally i just i just think it sucks because at the end of the day here's what it is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you take that verse and add the second verse to that, 317, it says, Jesus came to this world not to condemn it, but to save it. And yet what do we hear all the time? People telling us we're going to hell in a handbasket without ever knowing what our hearts are like. I've watched phenomenal businessmen fall from their influence, fall from the trust and respect of people all for the mighty dollar. I, I've watched people run to the gambling tables. I was just in Vegas. I, I've 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 had friends of mine of both sexes that craved for the night to come because they knew they'd be having sex all night long and then they could sleep all day long and there'd only be a small time period in the day when they would wake up, laying in bed, and have to think, why am I on this earth? They had been degraded and, and belittled so much in their life that they thought this was the only thing. And when they were when they were half stoned, half drinking, out there partying, making love, they felt like somebody truly cared about them. Both sexes. And all you can do is pray. And you may say, Troy, this has nothing to do with business. You're absolutely correct. And yet it has everything to do with business. See, If you're not cause-driven, if there's something that, that that isn't deep inside of you that's bigger, that's something else, then then you're never gonna you're never gonna find that contentment. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not even talking about joy. I'm just talking about flat contentment that you know that you're here for a purpose, doing what you're supposed to do. This is one of the reasons I get so blasted frustrated. When people go around and they always say, I'm self-made, I'm self-made, when I realize, you know, that's an inward-looking thought, and if all you think is you're self-made, then what happens one day when you wake up to a failure? Did all of a sudden you're going to figure out I wasn't self-made? Is all of a sudden that mirror has got a crack in it? This is the tough part. Mark writes this, The Bible is clear that we cannot earn our way to heaven For eternal life is not a reward for anything we have done or tried to do. It's a free gift. As with any gift, we must accept it in order for it to be ours. This is very important, folks. Listen here. There is nothing special that has to happen in a person's life. There's nothing you can do. There's really not anything you can't do in getting to heaven. Except accept that Jesus Christ was sent here so that we would have a conduit to get to heaven. He's the only person that ever walked the face of the earth that did not sin. But yet He took our sins upon Him. He didn't become sin. Now, this would be a whole different teaching. But if you look at the original content, t- context, He became as in. He took the weight of the world's sin upon his shoulders so that the rest of us, if we just accept the gift of him dying on a cross and raising again, then we got an opportunity to get to heaven. And here's the here's my point. If everything I've said in the last thirty minutes is nothing more than a gigantic myth that's been perpetrated for over three thousand years. But deep in your heart, you you do the investigation and you decide, I don't think it's a myth, I think it's fact. And like me, you decide to walk through life accepting Jesus Christ and saying, man, this rocks. And you die, and we're both looking at each other saying, we thought it was true and it was false. Then we've not lost anything. This is what Pascal's saying. But if what some people call a myth is truly a fact, and that when we die, the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And we decide to blow it off and say, you can just kiss my ever-lily-white butt. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do everything on this earth to party and have fun. And I'm not going to accept that. I don't believe there's anything. And then when we find out that there really was, it's too late. So I'm going to leave you with that. It's not me to tell you what to do. But I can tell you there's a good book called The Case for Christ. Lee Strobel wrote that book, an investigative reporter with all kinds of awards from the Chicago, I think it was the Chicago Tribune. Who when his wife decided she wanted to be one of those funky Jesus followers, he said, how could I marry such a stupid person? And he went out to prove to her that there was no God, there was no Jesus Christ. And at the end of his report, he found there was more evidence to prove that there actually was a reason to believe in Jesus Christ than there was not to believe in Jesus Christ as a Savior. I challenge you to go buy his book and watch his d v d it's a it's an interesting deal. It helped me as I was looking to make a decision. see, I grew up in a churchy family oh yeah my dad and mom they they were there we yeah it sucked I'd be honest with you you know my my dad and mom accepted Jesus and it was like our home just became like an extension of the church, and every time the church door was open, it seemed like we were there and and, the, and 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 as I grew up and I saw all the hypocrisy inside of the church, especially in my denomination, my thought, this was my thought, why in the hell go to church and feel guilty when I can just go and do everything I'm doing in the world because everybody else is anyway? Those were my thoughts. I, I remember when I wanted to marry Paige and the pastor said, I can't marry you. Why, you've already been married and a few months later married his secretary's daughter because she got pregnant in the back seat of a car. And I'm shaking my head saying, what the heck's the difference? All the hypocrisy. That by the time I was old enough to get out of the house and blow it all off, I was done with church. wasn't done with God, man. I really did think there was something there, but I didn't want anything to do with any of this crap. And I'll never forget it. I had to make a decision. It's a rough time in my life. I was about to lose my wife. And I went on about a three and a half, four year quest. Reading everything that I could come up with. To decide, is there really a God? Did Jesus really come here for me? Or not? And after reading everything I could put my hands on, after studying some pretty deep stuff, I came, for me, to the realization that Jesus really did come to this earth for me. I wish I could tell you that every one of my kids believe that, and they don't. They'll have to make that journey on their own, just like you have to make it on your own. I know this has been heavy today, guys, but it was important to me, and it was important to Mark DeMoss as they put it in the Little Red Book of Wisdom. Folks, I want you to have an awesome, awesome weekend. Remember, next week we start a lighter series, how to select a network marketing company. Live life like it's an epic adventure. We will see you Monday morning on RealMentorsRadio.com.